Welcome to the messages of Cornerstone Anglican Church. God does not leave any of his people unblessed. In this episode, Pastor Andrew unpacks the coming season of Easter. There are some issues when we come to give praise to God and some things that have to be resolved for that praise to be both meaningful and sustaining. That it just can't be a whim of the moment. I know when I was doing my bachelor degree at Trinity College, I avoided the biblical subjects that had to do with the period between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New. Just was not interested in it. However, when I moved to do my doctorate, it became one of the primary areas that I had to focus on because it was the beginning of a paradigm that was to see the church come into being and within three or four centuries to overcome the empire and establish its own paradigm. So we have here in our Isaiah passage the sense of the prophet giving the word of God to the nation and being reviled and ridiculed and whenever he gave the message of the kingdom, the word that God had given to him, it was rarely received with any enthusiasm if received at all. So here we have a nation that is in conflict with God. Now, it's not the only nation in conflict with God, obviously, but it is the people of God who are in conflict with God, and that doesn't compute. That's not how it ought to be. And so God sends a man named Isaiah who very unadvisedly volunteered for the job when he should have found out what the job was before he started, or at least put his hand up. He was given a job of emptying the land. A prophecy of destruction from Israel to start with and then Judah. And he was not believed. But he even names the Persian king who will return them back to the land some 70 years later. And that occurs. Israel is destroyed by Assyria, never to return. And Judah is destroyed by Babylon, but returns some 70 years later when Cyrus the Persian king, who had a really good attitude to religion, restored all the things that had been stolen from the temple, returned those who were willing to go, not everyone went back, and provided the resources they needed to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. But the people who came back were not the people 
who had left Israel as it had been before the destruction, which was focused on the land that God had given to them through the work of Moses and then Joshua. They didn't come back with that mindset whatsoever. They were happy to have overlords. They were happy for the Persians to run the external political scene as long as they could have their own religious scene. And they were happy enough when the Greeks took over through Alexander the Great. But came to odds when one of the Greek generals who had inherited Alexander's empire put his own religious icons in the temple, built his own altar to his god there. And a little group called the Maccabeans revolted, overthrew the Greeks in Israel, removed the false altar, and then reigned for a hundred years. And you would have thought everything was okie-dokie, but it wasn't. There was contention between the ruling powers, Pharisees and the Sadducees, who would rule at different periods of the Maccabean time. And finally, the conflict got to such an extent that some of the Jewish elders sent to Rome and said, we've got problems with who's trying to be king around here. Can you help? And Rome walked in and took over. And it's that culture and that thing that we find as Jesus enters the temple area on the donkey with both the praise and the rejection, with both the honour and the hatred, with both the praising of the kingdom of God and the foretelling of its destruction. Now, all those people sang Hosea to our king. And yet a week later, cried, crucify him. Crucify him. And they crucified. Not just crucified their Messiah, but crucified the son of the living God. They poured their hatred into his body by slashing it and beating it, putting a crown of thorns on his head, taking out their angst upon this man whose only crime was he healed the sick and raised the dead, but unfortunately called himself the Son of God. And that got him into trouble with the Jews, who then made sure he got into trouble with the Romans. And they crucified our Lord. Now Jesus knew this. He knew the moment he got on that donkey, there was trouble ahead. You could have explained a lot of his teachings and sayings away before then, but you can't explain the fact that he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. That is prophetic to the hilt. That is the promise of the Messiah to come that he would enter upon a donkey. And that's why they're all saying, praise, 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 Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then a week later they crucify him. So what was missing? And Paul pulls it out for us in his reading. 
He starts by making it really clear who Jesus was. The son of the living God. He was God. And he says that being in the very nature God, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He left his equality with God. He left his throne in heaven. He left the majesty, the honour, the glory and took the form of a servant and became the human being we know as Jesus, Son of God, coming human form in the person of Jesus. Grew up just like you and I. Learned Dad's trade. And then finally broke loose to do his ministry. Broke loose to provide and go for what God had laid on him to do that would eventually lead him to a cross. And he goes there not so much willingly, but agreeably. He did ask God, if you could take this away, if we could do this some other way, let's do it. No, that wasn't going to happen. And once he knew that this was the only way, he was happy. It was on the cards, he was going to do it. He definitely wasn't going to enjoy it. But he had to go to the cross by himself. He couldn't take his disciples with him because only he could die for the sins of the world, for every human person on the planet. Only he could take that burden, that curse, that terror upon himself. And it was a great risk because in the midst of that he sensed the separation There on the cross, he sensed the separation that we have between us and God. He actually sensed what it meant to be totally cut off from God. But he went there to do that so we could be restored, so we could be brought back, so we could come to give him honour so that we could come to give praise that could be sustained, not just a momentary feeling, but something that we would do in the good times and in the bad times. Something we would do when things were going well and even more so when things were going tough. You know what bothered Nero? when he was crucifying the Christians or had them in the arena, killing them off. He says, they're singing. Why are they singing? They shouldn't be singing. They know what's going to happen to them. They knew, and because they knew, they sang to God. They gave praise to the king. I think that's sustaining praise, don't you? That is really sustaining Then we find Paul and Silas hanging in a prison. And what are they doing in chains? They are praying and praising God. And not only were the other prisoners listening, but the soldiers were listening. And then the walls of the jail fell down. 
and the chains were loosed. Now, anyone else would have run for it, but not Paul. Paul would have asked the question first, what is God doing? What is God doing in this situation? We are now free, we can run, but is that what God wanted? Is that what he did this for? No, no, no. Paul saw a greater job to be done, and that was to convert the soldiers. And they told him, don't kill yourself, we are still all here. And so he took them home to his larger family, and the whole lot of them came to God, filled with the Spirit. So what we have seen in Paul is this man who understands the essence of what the praise of God is all about. It comes out of a humble heart that doesn't boast for itself. It comes out of a sense of the awesomeness of our God, the awesomeness of Jesus, the exaltation of Jesus that God has made by raising him from the dead. And Paul goes on to say that Jesus walked this road that led to the death on the cross. And God exalted him in the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Praise. We sing songs that not only talk about praise here, but praise for 10,000 years when we get to heaven. And yet you know at times it is just tough to get heart and mind geared to praise. We get our eyes so fixed on the difficulties and the troubles and the problems and the hurts, the misunderstandings and the rejection. We miss the understanding what it means to lift our eyes to Jesus. You see, if you're gazing at Jesus, then your mind's not going to be crowded with the problems and the troubles. And one of the things that I found is that when you're gazing at Jesus, some of the answers you need just pop up. Perceptions that you hadn't seen before. Answers to problems that you had no idea how to solve. Because he's lifted up. And Jesus uses that phrase when he says that the Son of Man shall be lifted up like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. To make a sense that if we will lift him up, that if we'll give him praise, that if we give him honour, if we'll look to him in the good times and the bad times, that we're going to find it so easy to talk about him, to lift him up to others. And it's going to be so much easier to get lost in praise. There's a little verse in Revelation that says for half an hour the whole of heaven kept quiet. Now often we would think quietness is the absence of presence. 
But I'm going to assure you in that half hour there was presence. There was a sense of the almighty of God. That every created being, whether angel or person, sensed that awesomeness of God. And so as Palm Sunday calls us to recognise that in our own human frailty, we get thrown. We get overwhelmed. I wonder how many of that crowd that cried crucified him regretted it for the rest of their lives. We get overwhelmed. We get caught. And God wants us to come back to understand that in Jesus and through Jesus, we can sustain worship and praise. We can sustain our commitment to him. But it comes with an action. And this action Paul makes clear in our passage from Philippians chapter 2. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. So that's the first thing. If we want to sustain our walk with God, sustain our worship and praise, we need to bow to the name of Jesus. To bow and give him the honour that is due to his name. And then acknowledge that he is our Lord. That not only is he our Lord, he is the Lord. The only Lord. And this is the thing. Whether you believe him in this life or not, every human person is going to bow and confess him Lord. The option we have here is we can do it willingly now and be a part of the crowd that welcomes the king back when he comes again. We can do it willingly in this life to bow to the name of Jesus and confess him Lord and our Lord or we will be doing that after we die. It just won't be pleasant at that point. We can be part of those who just feel so overwhelmed by the coming back of the King of Kings, so overwhelmed by the love of God that has just filled our lives, so overwhelmed by the presence of God that comes when we worship. We have this choice. Will we bow to him and acknowledge him, Lord, or we will keep running our own lives to eternal destruction. God calls us to lift Jesus higher, to honour and glorify him in our lives, and to do what he asks. Jesus said, where I am, that is where my servant will be also. And so it doesn't matter the circumstances. It doesn't matter whether you're on a winning streak or you're losing and losing and losing. If you're where he wants you and you're where he is, that's all that's important. If we are staying in step with him and obeying him as he asks, that's all that's important. Because he will fulfill his will. And because we do that, 
we will be blessed through and through. God does not leave any of his people unblessed when they go out of their way to do his purpose and to do his will. Let us pray. Father, you know how susceptible we are, how easy it is for us to lose the plot, to be led astray and to be overwhelmed. Lord, lead us into our sustaining praise of your name that will raise us up fresh to conquer the darkness that's around us and bring your light into a lost world. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to hear more great messages from Pastor Andrew, check out our Facebook page or look us up on the net at cornerstone-church.com.au.